This episode of Upstream in Perspective is brought to you by IHS Markets Upstream Insight. Our team of industry experts analyze the interplay of geopolitical structures, government priorities, corporate strategies, and global markets and technologies to deliver forward-looking solutions that lead to more informed and efficient decisions. These solutions are available via recurring reports, interactive analytics, robust data sets, and bespoke engagements with experts. Learn more about our offerings at www.ihsmarket.com energy. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us here today on this latest episode of the IHS Market Upstream and Perspective podcast series. My name is David Boucher. I'm your host for the show, and I'm coming to you from the IHS Market podcast studios here in Houston, Texas, otherwise known as my kitchen table. Now, that is my attempt at humor for the show, but I think it's also reflective of the new reality that we're all in. And I hope that in that new reality, you're all able to stay healthy, well, and productive, regardless of what your work arrangements may be. Uh, but today, we're going to do a little bit of virtual traveling, since we're going to be looking south to South America in the countries of Guyana and Suriname, two up-and-coming areas uh, whose production size may not quite indicate the future importance that these countries will have. Now, to help guide us through these two countries and their production and development prospects, I'm very happy to be joined uh, by two of my close colleagues, uh, Sid Sen, who leads the Latin America Research for Vantage. Hi, David. Uh, good to be here. Yes, yeah, it's great to have you. And also his colleague, Isaac Nudi, who works on the same team. Hey, David. Thank you for having us. Uh, thank you for uh, taking the time to be on the show. So I think, Isaac, if we could just jump right into it, could you please walk us through what the history has been uh, for, for both of these countries? Yeah, ab absolutely. So mainly talking about Guyana, there's there's several years of kind of struggle trying to uh, find success, find some type of discovery there. But that all kind of changed in 2015 when Lisa was discovered. Um, the very first exploration well in the country was actually drilled offshore in 1941. So, so they've been trying for a while. The first discovery actually happened about 40 years later, but, but nothing commercial until we got up to Lisa in, uh, in 2015. There were 20, 20 or so unsuccessful wildcat wells. And basically Lisa, Lisa changed everything. You know, since, since 2015, the success rate has been very impressive. You know, about 50% of the wildcat wells have been successful. They got into a rhythm since the Lisa discovery and, and that has kind of led to this exploration around the Stabrook block and it will, it will continue to, to build and, and grow. And it's, it's spread to surrounding blocks within Guyana and, and also has spread into Suriname where we now have some, some new discoveries popping up and, and some promising opportunities coming along. Great. Yeah, and 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 uh, just just a couple of comments there, which um, I think I think would also help in laying the context around these these activities is um, if you if you look at this whole process of exploration and development, it started with the with the operator going and undertaking an ambitious subsurface seismic survey. I think it is one of the biggest ones around the globe. Um, and then it just took off from there, as, I, as Isaac was mentioning. Uh, what is interesting is that it is one of those areas where basically um, a lot is left to be explored. So the, 
we are just at the beginning or the beginning chapters of this whole story and that is why it it's very interesting to talk about it to read about it to follow it and analyze it um there are extremely significant reserves which are available for development i think uh, the starbrook block which uh, isaac was referring to we have about 8 billion barrels of oil equivalent in terms of reserves available there and this is only going to grow so this story has just begun and it's going to get interesting in my mind excellent no that's that's fantastic context and i think just to to provide one point of clarification for uh the audience here so maybe isaac or city either of you can answer this but is it correct to say that for the moment and we'll say the near future the development plans concern offshore rather than onshore is that correct yes yes that's okay. definitely definitely correct yeah perfect excellent Okay, great. So that being said, before we move into kind of the upstream specific aspect of this, can one of you perhaps provide what current GDP is now for one or both of these countries and where it might be expected to go? Because clearly we can talk about reserves as you did, Sid, but maybe it helps just to, to show the magnitude of what this could potentially mean uh, for, the country's, for the country's economy generally. Yeah, it's 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 important to note here <laughs> when we start looking at at GDP, the the current population of the entire country is only about eight hundred thousand people. So a small piece of the global oil and gas uh, output could actually it makes a big difference for them. So their their current liquid consumption in the country is only about fourteen thousand, fifteen thousand barrels per day of liquids. Okay. So basically, as soon as Lisa started production, it's it's already producing enough to take care of the country's needs if that's ever a route that they choose to go. So they're immediately essentially have the power to become energy independent. And so that that's a huge deal, especially when you take this into context. The country of Guyana is historically a very, very poor, right so so all this makes a an even bigger impact for them they had an oil for rice program with venezuela which it was a program where basically guyana would supply rice to venezuela in exchange for their oil needs that kind of paints a picture as as to where the country was sitting and, and then basically that entirely is getting turned around now the gdp in is currently sitting at about four billion for the country okay of yep. guyana which translates to about $5,000 per capita. And I've seen some forecasts that show this this could ramp up to about 20 billion. So wow. about six or seven times the, the current GDP, increasing at a rate of about 20% per year as oil and gas production kind of ramps up. Yep. Um, it, it makes a it makes a huge difference and the material yeah we'll say that's exactly material. and so and it's not just the oil and gas either it it's uh the industry around it too absolutely, absolutely. i think we we've all heard the stories of you know 100 dollar hamburgers in some of these frontier regions so i i would imagine this will be the same thing yeah um so maybe sid if you could just give us a a quick summary of where the development is because as Isaac said, this is contingent on production. So where in the process is Guyana specifically uh, for this development? And what are some of the technical challenges that have been faced so far? So I'll give a few points. Um, I did want to get in a, a comment for the previous question as well. So in sure. terms of just the just the government take, if we look at the analysis, um, 
it's very interesting because we are looking at numbers um, in excess of almost uh, $100 billion over the life of just the Starbuck block, the discoveries wow. that have been made till now. So that is huge, huge in terms of that context that Isaac was uh, building. And, and on average, if you look at that uh, it's about 3.3 billion dollars or 3.5 billion dollars every year 2020 okay. uh, uh, 2023 2024 onwards so that's that's going to start playing a very important role in the overall gdp numbers and also i guess um, it will become one of the main contributors to the country's gdp as we go forward in terms of where we are with these developments um, we know that lisa 1 is already on product online and producing we know that the fpso lisa destiny is already there and doing its work we know that lisa unity is um, in the, in in the works and very soon we should be expecting it to come by and start going online and adding to the production volumes and then we have uh, prosperity uh, which would be the third fpso which would be expected to come here uh, depending on the development decisions that are uh, put in place for the development of the future fields so what we are seeing is that there has been exceptional success in terms of bringing lisa one online uh, in 2020 and we are seeing some challenges which are being faced for future development uh, of fields but um, i'm sure that these are challenges which will be which will be resolved and we will continue to see success in this story isaac do you have anything else to add yeah just just to add a point there about the about the fpsos with the reserves that are in place from from existing discoveries I mean, there's there's potential there for about a dozen fpsos and that's that's just with existing discoveries, not counting for, you know, if other things are discovered later this year outside of the Stabrook block within um, Kanje block or even more in Suriname as well. So a, a lot of potential there. Um, sure. Going forward. Yeah. So one thing, Sid, I just want to touch on here. You mentioned government take. And one question I had when we were preparing for this episode was, you know, why invest here? I mean, the, these two countries are between two, we'll say historically, uh, powerhouse countries in oil and gas. We got Venezuela to the north, uh, Brazil to the south, and obviously current situations notwithstanding. It, it would seem not unusual, but it certainly, what, what was what was the, the incentive from these two countries towards the operators? And we'll get to who those are momentarily, but Sid, if you could just walk us through what was beyond the geologic success that Isaac mentioned earlier, what was the incentives from the government that actually made operators want to choose Guiana in particular uh, to carry out some of their future development plans? So um, how, how, let me, let me answer that in uh, two parts. One is with regards to um, some of the current uh, fiscal regimes that are in place and then uh, in part by the success that um, uh, the the discoveries are experiencing as Perfect. well as yeah. what we think it will experience in terms of economics Excellent. so as long as as to the first part the government basically has provided a opportunity for companies like Sonmobile to come and develop the assets over there 
there are discussions going on right now in terms of um, how the fiscal regimes need to be maybe relooked at or renegotiated but at the same time the initial fiscal terms that were put in place were very encouraging um, and very supportive of uh, someone coming and exploring an unexplored area so it was something which was put in place in my mind to take care of uncertainties which would happen with uh, an unexplored area and they were trying to get an established international explorer to come in and support the exploration of the region um how that discussion will go in terms of for future development is yet to be seen and i'll let time tell us how that how that progresses in terms of economics it's really interesting to see how these fields can be stacked up in terms of economics if i'm looking at say all the projects that or all the fields that we have looked at in guiana uh, the break even on average uh, is about 31 dollars a barrel and if you look at silisa alone and its break even um, that's about um, around 25 26 dollars so this this makes these assets very very competitive or comparative when you try to look at some of the other more interesting regions which are being developed in latin america one of the places which comes to mind is presols in brazil and the break evens over there are basically below $35 um some of them even below $30 so when you see that you see that oh so th- this this falls within that range and it feels very interesting that some of the regions such as brazil where presols are getting developed are showcasing similar numbers in terms of break evens like some of these discoveries in guiana um so that is just to give a perspective of how it looks in terms of npv if you look at the npvs of these discoveries just in the starbrook block i think the npv comes close to around 18 billion dollars for all of the discoveries that that have been announced and we have analyzed this again if i do a comparison with something outside of guiana is almost as is similar is similar to the npv of our giant ultra deep water oil field tupi in brazil So it's, it's these kinds of comparisons which basically um make you think that there is a success story in here. And 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 some of these numbers which I have mentioned obviously I I think Isaac has some insights more insights on that. So I'll take a pause here and let Isaac also share his thoughts. So right. Isaac I'm sorry Isaac so just before you do that thank you very much Sid I just wanted to provide a little additional context for the um the audience so it turns out I was looking at IHS markets uh latest forecast this morning and uh it's it's for roughly $55 a barrel in nominal terms for Brent uh by the end of 2021 so when we look at the low 30s break evens uh that Sid just mentioned I think that gives the audience an idea of of what the um kind of what the returns might look like on that so sorry to interrupt Isaac but I uh, just want to provide some context there well what what you're saying is it actually it lines up with what I was about to mention anyway so great <laughs> great in- intro David uh the what i was going to mention is the the government take again back back to that point for you had you had asked a question about uh the fiscal terms and and kind of what's in place and while there's some ongoing conversations about the terms that are in place as it sits right now guyana's government take hovers just above 50% which government take in the region is is probably closer to 70 75% on average 
Wow. Okay. Um, so when you when you talk about incentivizing exploration, that's definitely one way to do it. So that part is 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 one reason why it's so attractive. Again, the the average is 70, 75. There's even some cases where the government take goes up to 90 percent okay. for for some of the areas. Yeah. So so that definitely helps the the operators and as they as they try to get production going. And then what you mentioned with the um, with the oil price at $55 or so, we look at it around $40 for some of our analysis that we do, and and just based okay. on that, we're getting we're getting about five billion dollars per year in government take once we get out to 2028, and that just continues to go up as production goes up for the country. So, okay. and if the oil price goes up, so will the government take, but also the NPV will rise with it. Absolutely. So it's yep. it's a you know when when you look at these these assets and and they're doing pretty well with with low oil prices. If you if you start to increase those oil yep. prices, it's it's even more encouraging. Yeah. So. The green light is still on. So I think exactly. we, we we've spoken about um, incentives. So let's now get to who exactly is being incentivized. Now we've got a couple minutes here. So maybe sticking with you, Isaac, if you could please walk us through who the main operator players are in this area? Who are the ones who have driven and will continue to drive uh, this development going into the future? Right, right. Yeah, so ExxonMobil is is going to be the, the main operator there in the Stabrook block, which is where the majority of development is going on now and where the majority of discoveries have also been made. And they're also involved in some of the surrounding deeper water blocks and they're doing some more exploration this year so we'll see if more discoveries are made hopefully they're successful and it's able to to bring in some encouraging news for some of the other um, partners that are in some of those other blocks so the uh, the companies like you know JHI Total Hess Hess is also involved in some of those areas and then in Suriname you've got Apache and a few other operators as well that are watching all of this development very closely and any any success in some of those other blocks like uh, the Couture block and Kanje blocks and all those areas there it'll it'll be very encouraging okay. if anything good happens there so no ex- excellent i mean i think what it shows is um that it it does require you know partnerships obviously between uh government stakeholders and private stakeholders but uh no one company, even one as uh, large and proven as Exxon is going to do this alone. There's got to be, I wouldn't say partnerships necessarily between companies, but those are important. But I think you need a critical mass of of companies doing the exploration and proving things out to get the flywheel going, so to speak, if that makes sense. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So I think we've got just a few more minutes left. One thing I want to ask you, Sid, is, you know, I think we're going to, in the future, a lot of us are going to be talking pre-COVID and post-COVID, all of these metrics uh, that you and Isaac have uh, said over the course of the episode certainly sound positive. Uh, in just a couple words, has COVID and the effects that it's had on the global economy and global oil price, has that fundamentally changed the outlook for Guyana and Suriname, or is it still uh, that the investment thesis is sound and operators are going to continue as they had planned before? I would say from from what I have heard that in general covid is not causing a lot of delays there's there's some other things that may may come in and and cause some some delays in at certain times or impact the economics in that way but 
in general when you're when you're looking at these assets with their with their break evens you know in the in the thirty dollar range they're they're going to find success and that oil is going to find a way to the market one way or another at an oil price of about fifty dollars the npv for this region is basically going to double from the number that sid had mentioned earlier in the conversation but yeah as as i said there are some risks that could come up surrounding the uh, development such as um they've had some gas handling issues that have led to extra flaring and that could all cause issues um sure and figuring out where to where to take that gas and yeah it's just With- a new country they're gonna have some growing some growing things that come on and and, and yep. they're gonna learn but it's it's extremely promising okay and, yeah I think that's the, I mean that's the nature of these these large offshore projects is that certainly there's large capex involved, but if you uh, risk them right, uh, then over the long term the idea is that the cash flows and the returns are there. And in this case, we can talk pre-COVID, post-COVID, but all that matters is the oil price. And as we saw earlier, uh, the IHS market oil price is uh, is quite favorable. So I think to your point, Isaac, uh, you know, COVID clearly has caused tremendous issues, but the long term story seems to be highly positive for for those two countries. Exactly. Yeah, and and some of the some of the shorter term delays that they've had around some of the upcoming phases, it's it's been more around some of the they had an election at the beginning of this year, and there was some debate as to who who actually won the election. So so now that that has all been resolved, things can kind of pick up a little bit now. But while that was all being worked out, of course they weren't really doing approvals for some of the upcoming developments so yep. so there's some things that have delayed it but fortunately it seems like the covid-19 situation hasn't had a huge impact on the assets it's it's more more around some of the other negotiations okay. and yep. things so, yeah okay uh so I, I will share with the audience we've had some connection issues i think sid just dropped off but isaac you did a, a very good job of uh, of covering for him uh we've unfortunately run out uh, of, of time. We're kind of right uh, up to our, our time limit, maybe a little bit over. Uh, but Isaac, I do want to thank you for taking the time to join the show. We've, we've learned a lot and I think condensed a lot into a short amount of time. And uh, clearly, I'll, I'll, I'll thank Sid as well, even though he's not here to hear us. Uh, but just to um, summarize for the audience what we've heard today. Uh, so we have learned from Sid and Isaac that Guyana and Suriname and Guyana specifically are uh, two up-and-coming countries in the South American region. Uh, they have reached, we'll call, um, a, a developmental um, kind of uh, takeoff speed, if we can call it that, after a, f- a few decades, apparently, of, of trying very hard to get to that point. Uh, so far, the successes have been there, and economically, things seem sound enough uh, that they will continue on into the future. Uh, but of course, as Isaac mentioned at the end of this episode, uh, there are going to be some issues that come up both above ground and below ground as these two countries uh, work on future development. So Isaac, I I just want to say thank you again very much for taking the time to join us. Uh, If anyone has any questions specifically for Isaac or Sid, we'll leave some contact information in the uh, show notes below and you're welcome to uh, to get in touch with them directly or us and we'll be happy to to make that uh, make that connection happen. I hope everyone uh, found the show informative, that you're staying well, uh, healthy and productive. And we look forward to catching you on the next episode of IHS Markets Upstream and Perspective podcast. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. 
To read additional insights from our team of experts, visit our blog at www.ihsmarket.com slash energyblog. Also, if you haven't checked us out on social media, please search for IHS Market Energy on either Twitter or LinkedIn. This podcast contains information and insights copyrighted by IHS Market. To learn more about IHS Market Energy solutions, visit ihsmarket.com energy. That's ihsmarkit.com forward slash energy.